0: It's probably not by accident that uh, our series is ending today, and especially with the topic that we're talking about, uh, an awakening to life. Because in a lot of ways, that's what we need, not only personally, but that's what we need as a nation, is just that awakening to life. You know, as I was praying, one of the things that hit me as I was praying was the fact that um, I was re- taken back uh, to Acts and and the first church and. You know, in Acts 1, when Jesus tells his guys, hey, you're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, you know, and then the outermost parts of the world, you know. um, The church grew, but the church just stayed. The church didn't really become the church until about Acts chapter 8, I think it was, when a great persecution came, and all of a sudden, the church had to, to be spread, and the church started going to the places Jesus had told them to go in the first place. You know, there are times when it takes a great persecution to bring about revival, and maybe, we don't know, but maybe in our lives, because revival starts inward first, and it starts with us. Maybe this is a time in, in the history of our nation, and the history of the church, when great revival might happen. Wouldn't that be awesome? If in the midst of a crazy election, a revival broke out, that'd be pretty awesome. So we just want to pray for that. But I don't think it's any accident that what we're talking about today is what we're talking about today. I think probably God orchestrated it that way. So let me ask you as we begin, have you ever had a time in your life when you really, really felt alive? I mean, when you just really felt alive, I mean, like it just couldn't get even better than it is. It just couldn't get any better than this. I want to share with you just real quickly a couple times for me when that's happened. The first one was on uh, June 6th. It was the middle afternoon in 1979. And uh, it's a date I'll never forget. Um, I took the love of my life, Lucy, drove her out to Lake Ponca, uh, just outside of Ponca City, Oklahoma. And it was there uh, that I proposed to her and asked her to be my wife. And um, after some bargaining back and forth, um, <laughs> you know, we, we came to an agreement. <laughs> uh, and she said yes. And let me tell you, that was a time in my life when I just felt incredibly alive. And life was just awesome. Now, most of you don't know the backstory to that. The back story is this, uh, we only dated three weeks up until that point, and we were married two months later. So we met about the second week of May, we were married on August uh, 18th in 79. Now, when I was, a, I was a youth pastor for 16 years, and when you're a youth pastor, parents don't really like you to tell that story to the kids, <laughs> you know, but we did anyway, you know, so that's, that's kind of the back story. Uh, to, the other part of that backstory is this, um, when she said yes, and we went home and, uh, to her house, and we, because I was a, a weekend, I was a, I had a weekend ministry, I was still at college, I was still at Ozark Christian College, I was in my last semester, and so I had a weekend ministry, or I was in my last year, uh, I still had a semester when we got married, but, so I was in my, um, kind of my senior year, um, and uh, so I was the weekend minister at her home church, so I would drive over from Joplin to Ponca City about three hours every weekend, Fridays to Monday, and come back. and that's how I met Lucy. So we went back to her folks' house and told her folks, and then I asked her to come home with me because I was leaving that day for the summer to go back to work with my dad for the summer. And so she got her stuff together, and we left, and we were going to drive back to, to Indiana now. The backstory to that is the fact that my mom and dad didn't even know I was dating somebody. <laughs> so here I show up; they show up with this girl that I say I'm engaged to, you know. So, uh, but my mom and dad loved her from the beginning, so it really wasn't an issue. But but I just want you to know that was a time in my life that I just felt more alive than ever, and we all have those times. Another time was just a couple weeks ago. Uh, as you know, my daughter-in-law gave birth to a toddler, 10 pounds and uh, Theo, and uh, Theodore, and so I was able to fly a couple weeks weeks ago. On a Monday, I flew back to Oklahoma to see Lucy and to see the baby, and it just so happened that all of us were there, because Brandon and Julie and Michaela and Oliver were also there at Kyle's house, because he spoke that weekend, and so they stayed, and on Tuesday, we got somebody, and we did family pictures. This is our uh, family picture, if you still got that, Judith? Yes. And so this was awesome. Um, now, let me tell you, it's extremely hard. It was, we, were, we were just so lucky because think about getting seven grandkids to, they just ate to a baby to look at the camera at the same time. I mean, that's amazing. So that was another time that I felt really alive, okay? Now, even though your experiences may have been different than mine, maybe you can relate to the feeling of being alive. I mean, maybe for you is when you made the team or you won that award or maybe it was your wedding day or your honeymoon or the birth of a child or maybe it's when you landed that dream job or maybe it's when you gave your life to Jesus. You see, the point is this. All of us can look to a moment in time when we felt more alive than maybe we do right now. I mean, we love those moments and we wish we could live in them forever, don't we? But what if I told you that you can? I mean, what if I told you that it is possible? I mean, what if I told you that Jesus said that he came so that we could have life and that we could live it to the fullest? And understanding that life, the life that he gives will make you more alive than you've ever been. Today we're wrapping up an incredible series where we've been talking about five awakenings that can help us to find our way back to God. The series has actually been based on a book by the same title, Finding Your Way Back to God. um, And it's by Dave Ferguson. These awakenings are not just something that happens when we initially come to God, but they are awakenings that we continually need to have in our lives to keep us as Christ followers. So let me give give you a quick recap of what we've talked about over the last five weeks or so. As you know, as we've been going through this series, we've been also unpacking the story or the, the parable of the prodigal son. So the first awakening was this. It was the awakening to longing. So everybody say longing. Are you ready? Longing. Good. This is the idea that inside all of us is this longing for something more. It's where we say, I know that there has to be more to life than what, than what I'm just living. In our story of the prodigal son, as you, as, you, as you remember, the younger son asked for his part of the inheritance. He thinks that he's going to find his more somewhere else other than with his father and his family. But what we discovered was this. Our longings for love and purpose and meaning, they're all God-given. I mean, God gives those to us, but they're intended to lead us into an intimate relationship with the Father. But when we misuse them, they will lead us into some very dark places, and they will always lead us further away from the Father. The second awakening was this. It's the awakening to regret. So everybody say, regret. Good. Regret is when we realize, man, I don't want to be here. Or I made a decision that I wish I hadn't made. Or this is really not what I wanted to have happen in my life. And in our story, the son looked around and realized that his father's servants had it better than he did. And that regret led him to some important changes. You see, the awakening to regret always helps us to discover one important aspect of Jesus, and that is this. There's always a second chance. He gives us a second chance, a chance to start over in our life if we'll just ask. The third was the awakening to need. So let's everybody say, need. good. Need is when we say, you know what? I really can't fix or change this on my own. I really do need some help. In our story, this is where the son kind of came to his senses. He repented. He headed home to the Father. And in this awakening, we discovered there is help, and that help has a name. His name is Jesus. And then last week, we talked about the awakening to love. Everybody say? Good. This is the moment we realize just how deeply our Father loves us. And in our story, when the son came home, he didn't feel worthy to be called a son. But you remember what the father did? The father gave him a ring and gave him a robe and he gave him sandals. He, he let his son know that he was his son. And this is the place that we discover our true identity as unconditionally loved children. Of God, And that brings us to today. And today we're going to talk about that final awakening, the awakening to life. So everybody say Life. life. Now let me ask you again, how do you define the word life? I mean, what does that mean to you? How would you describe that to somebody else? I mean, is life just defined by those times when we feel alive like those stories I told you in my life? I mean, is that all that life is defined as? Or is there more to life than that? Here's the thing. I think that we all know what it's like to just kind of go through the motions. To just kind of go through life doing those meaningless repetitions. I mean, it's those times when you find yourself just kind of sleepwalking, through the day-to-day routines of life. You know, waking up, showering, getting the kids up, feeding the kids, taking out the trash, feeding the dog, walking the dog, you know, going to work, coming home from work, getting the kids fed, finding, you know, looking for your glasses or your car keys or the remote so you can watch TV, you know, then putting the kids to bed and then going to bed yourself. And you know what that that's like. And when you live your life that way, it literally will put you in a daze. So let me ask you, have you ever got to the end of the day and thought, it really doesn't feel like I got anything done, but I was really busy. (laughs) Have you ever felt that way? You see, if we're not careful, a day can turn into a week and, and then a month and then a year, and we can look back and we can wonder, is this all there is to being alive? I mean, is this all there is to being alive? You see, when we go through our whole life being busy and doing things but not feeling alive because we're not living life the way God intended for us to live it, it it will cause those feelings like there's got to be more. If you haven't got this in your bullet, I want you to write this down because this is so true. We can go through life Without having any life going through us, we can go through life without really having any life just going through us. You see, our life is just like the snap of a finger and then it's gone. Or as the Bible says, it's like a vapor that's here one minute and then it vanishes. You see, just because you're alive and just because you're taking up space on this planet, it doesn't mean that you have really lived your life to the fullest. There's a line in the movie Braveheart that's given by William Wallace where he simply says, every man dies, but not every man lives. And that is so true. I mean, from the time you're born, you were dying. But it doesn't mean that you're living, really living. French philosopher, and he was also an existentialist, but Jean-Paul Sartre put it this way. He said, everything has been figured out except how to live. So let me ask you, do you know how to really live? Do you know how to live? Do you need today an awakening to life? Now, here's one of the problems I see with having that awakening in our life. And it's something that keeps us from experiencing the life that God really has for us. And it's this, it's the notion of someday. Someday, ever said that? You ever said, well, someday. You see, someday is that perpetual postponement of getting on with our lives. It's kind of like we think life in the present is just some kind of a dress rehearsal for the real thing that really starts somewhere down the road. Now, here's the thing. I think all of us have a list of things, if we were honest, that we will do someday. Things that will happen someday. I mean, someday I'll take care of my body. You know, Someday I'll start building into my marriage. Someday, I'll kick this habit or this addiction that's taken me out. Someday, I'll go to counseling. Someday, I'll figure out my finances. Someday, I'll plug into my kids' lives. Someday, I'll forgive that person that I'm holding that grudge against. Someday, I'll get on a budget. Someday, I'll be more generous. Someday, I'll get this whole God thing figured out. Someday. Someday, someday. Now, here's something that you need also to write down. And we need to take to heart. And it's this. Someday is the enemy's way of keeping us from living for today. Did you get that? Someday is the enemy's way of keeping us from living for today. That's why our prayer today should be this. God, help me to wake up enough to see that someday can really be today. God, I, I don't want to just go through life. I want your life to flow through me. That should be our prayer. And So then the question becomes, how can I find and experience that kind of life? How can I find it? Well, to answer that, I think we need to go back to the book of life. we got to go back to the Bible to see what Jesus has to say. And there's a great passage in John chapter 10. It's just one verse. But it's in John chapter 10 that helps us to get a handle on what it means to have life. This is what Jesus says in John chapter 10, verse 10. This is what he says. A thief comes to steal and kill and destroy, but I came to give life, life in all of its fullness. I came, he says, to give life and to give it in all of its fullness. But here's, unfortunately, what happens a lot of times. I think a lot of people just don't understand Jesus. Or maybe they just don't want to. And so they think of him as just this religious fanatic who came to institute a bunch of do's and don'ts. I mean, they they see him as the kind of guy that you really don't want to invite to a really good party. you know. And so they think he would be the last guy to get advice to about how to really know how to live life. But Jesus is so much more than that. I mean, he went to great lengths to explain and to describe and then to live out what it truly means to to live life the way it was meant to be lived. That's why he says here, I came to give life, life in all of its fullness. Now, your translation may say abundant life or it may say a rich and satisfying life. Either way, the meaning is the same. Jesus wants to help you to find and live life more abundantly, to live it to its fullest. You see, I think we need to wake up to the idea that however you live your life, there's nothing better than the life that's found in Jesus Christ. I mean, there's nothing better. That's what this story of the prodigal son is about. It's about the son who thought he could find life apart from the father. But he didn't fully discover life until he returned to the Father. And the reality is, it's the same for us as well. It's what all these awakenings lead to. They lead us to the real thing. They lead us to a full life in Jesus Christ. So let me ask you, what kind of life are you trying to live? What kind of life are you trying to live? Now, here's the problem I see. When we think about living life to the fullest, when we think about living a real and abundant and satisfying life, unfortunately, our definition of what that looks like is what a lot of times gets us in trouble. Because I think a lot of people automatically go to one word, and it's the word more. I mean, when they think about abundant life, full life, satisfying, rich life, they think about more. I mean, that's the way Americans tend to think. And so what it translates to is this. Real life means more money in my bank account or in my savings. It means more toys. It means more candy in the Halloween bag. It means more satisfying relationships. It means more, 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 more. But the life that Jesus is talking about is, if I can use the word, so much more than that. So much more than that. Now you may be thinking, well, how do you know that? Well, I know that because of the way the Bible talks about the word life. And I think it will help us to distinguish because, again, when we use the word life, we just throw it out there and it's just one word and we we can use it for so many different things and yet the Bible is so defined. You see, in the New Testament, there were a couple different Greek words for life. And the first word is this, it's bios. It's the word bios. Bios. You probably recognize the word biology or biosphere. It's the word life. It refers to physical life. It refers to natural life. It refers to the material realm of life as you live it out on a daily basis. It's your bios life. And in your bios life, the average person sleeps 250,000 hours has about 75,000 meals, and goes to the bathroom 200,000 times. Now, that last one can sometimes depend on what type of meals you eat, but that, that's another thing. You see, it's all part of the bios life, the bios way of living. But there's another word in, in the Bible for life, and it's the word zoe. This word also means life. But it's a different kind of life. It includes all the bios life. It includes your natural, your physical, your biological life. But it's so much more than that. Zoe is not about the quantity, the quantity of life. It's about the quality of life. You see, the Bible's way of using the word Zoe is this. It's the life. The life. The main life, the life we were really meant to live in the present and the life we were meant to live in the eternal. That's why this life, that's why the Zoe lifestyle can only be found in God through Jesus Christ. And so when Jesus says, I have come that you may have life and life to the fullest, guess which word for life he's using? Zoe, it's not bios. He's using Zoe. Jesus is talking about a quality of life with God that changes your past, your present, and your future. The problem is a lot of us have heard this verse over the years. We've heard and we've quoted and we've said, Jesus said he came so that I could have an abundant life. But in our definition, that abundant life is more. I'm going to get more of this, more of this, more of this. And we forget and misunderstand the fact that that's not what he's talking about. It's so much more than that. Because it's the life that's only found in Jesus. And it will change everything about you. You see, God is life. And he wants his life to infuse and flow through everything that's living and creative and alive and beautiful in the universe that he created. And that includes you and me. That's why Jesus could say that he was the way, the truth, and the life. That's why this awakening is really in some ways the most important awakening because none of the other awakenings will ultimately matter if we don't have this one, if we don't realize that the life we long for is only found in Jesus. It's a whole different level of life. And So if you continue to stay in the bios life, then you ought to be scared about the future, because you're just living in the natural and the physical. But when you're in the Zoe life, The future is already set. It's an eternal future that's given through Jesus Christ. And there's nothing to fear. You see in our story of the prodigal son, we see this contrast between the bios life and the zoe life play out. Here's the interesting thing. When the younger son said to his father in verse 11, he said, I I, I want you to give me, What's coming to me, man? I want my inheritance and I want it now because you're as good as dead to me. I want to go and I want to live my life, my bios life. I want to live that life and I want all that's coming to me. Now give it to me. And here's the interesting thing. It says that the father divided his property between them. Now the word property is actually the word bios. It's as if the father is saying, I'll let you have all that the bios life can offer. But someday you're going to realize that more isn't what you're really looking for. Someday you're going to realize that the bios life isn't the thing we're all after because it won't fully satisfy you. And so the father divided his life, his bios life between his sons, his livelihood, his stuff, his physical possessions. Now, here's what, I, here's what I believe. I believe that Jesus is hoping that through this parable, we can catch the fact that the bios life fails in comparison to the zoe life. It fails in comparison. You see, God doesn't want us to settle for the bios life when he created us for the zoe way of living. So let me ask you, what kind of life are you pursuing? What kind of life are you pursuing? The bios life, which is just lived in the physical, the natural realm, where you really strive for that, physics, that, that success and those material gains, where you strive for more more and more? Or are you pursuing the Zoe way of life, which is only found in Jesus? And why is this so important to understand? What's well, important to understand, because the Bible makes it very clear that there's a day coming when your bios life will end. Well, it will end. And then what? As Jesus has said, what will it profit you if you gain the whole world but lose your soul? Now, here's the thing. As amazing and great as those stories were that i told you in the beginning and and those experiences that i've had in my life as amazing as those things are let me tell you they fail in comparison to the life that's found in a relationship with jesus christ and here's the thing that we fail to acknowledge you can live a bios life all the way to the end but if that's the only one you live you will miss out on so much more than you could have ever imagined as well as you will miss out on eternal life with the Father. But if you allow the Zoe life that's found in Jesus to be lived out of you, here's the cool thing. It will infuse our bios life. It will transform it into something that's better than you could have ever expected or imagined. At the end of John... In chapter 20, in verses 30 and 31, this is what it says. Jesus did many other miracles in the presence of his followers that are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And then by believing, you may have life through his name. Life, real life. Abundant life, full life, and so let me ask you: What kind of life are you striving for—the bios lifestyle or the Zoe way of living? What are you striving for? Let's reflect. True story: There was a couple who they had been getting ready uh, to go out for the evening. Uh, they were meeting some some friends uh, across town. And when they, they got in the car when, and they left the house, and they got about 10 to 15 minutes down the road when he realized that he had left something back at the house that he needed because he needed to give to the couple they were meeting with. And so he just kind of made a u-e u- and, and circled back and, and headed back to his house. When he got to the house, pulled in the driveway, jumped out of the car, ran up the steps, went to put his key in the door. And when he did, he noticed that it was already open so he slowly went inside, and as soon as he got inside, he saw a guy run from the family room through the kitchen and then out the back door. And like most of us would, he ran out the front door. <laughs> yeah. And when he did, he called 911. Now, the burglar only got away with a couple of laptops and a few pieces of jewelry. But that really wasn't all that he took that day. Because what seems secure has now become uncertain and unsettled for them. And let me tell you, this is how it is when you bank your security and your stability and your life in the BIOS way of living. You'll never have security. And you know why? Because I want us to go back to John. And I want you to focus on the first half of that verse. Look at the words of Jesus where he says, a thief comes to steal and kill and destroys. Jesus says we have an enemy. And our enemy is a thief. And our enemy wants to rob you. He wants to rob you of your life. The life that's found in Jesus. He wants to keep you living in the bios way of living where you seek fullness and happiness and stability and security and joy and peace apart from God. I mean, that's what he's wanting to do. And so that's why Jesus followed those words with these. But I came to give life, not take it. I came to give life, life in all of its fullness. And so today, I'm inviting you to place your faith in a new way of living, to place your faith in the person, the only person who can give you real life. Maybe this is the first time you've done this or the hundredth time, but we need to be willing to say, I'm not going to pursue my life apart from the Father anymore. I'm not going to pursue love and meaning and purpose and joy and fulfillment in any other way but through a relationship with Jesus Christ. Because I want to live the Zoe lifestyle, not the Bios lifestyle. I don't know if you've heard of a guy by the name of Kyle McDonald. He was a Canadian blogger who, a few years back, set out on a quest to trade. This is crazy, to trade a red paperclip for something of greater value and to keep trading until he was able to get a house. Now, as crazy as that sounds, he actually accomplished that feat in in a year. He started out by trading that red paperclip for some kind of, it said, like a fist-shaped pen, and he traded that for a camping stove. And literally, he just kept trading up and up and up and up and up. And he had these, all these amazing things that he had traded for until finally, the last trade, he traded for a two-story house. He did it all in a year's time frame. Now, I say that for this reason. I think Jesus is wanting to ask you today, are you ready to trade your red paperclip bios life For the real thing. For the real life. The life that's only found in me. Are you ready to trade up to that which will last forever? And so today, Adam's going to come and he's going to play. And we're going to reflect. And as we reflect, this is a time for you just to begin to look And to think about this series, think about um, the, the story of the prodigal son, to think about where you're at. And the question I'm asking today is this, what type of life are you striving for? What type of life are you living? Are you ready? Are you ready to live the life God meant for you to live? If you've never accepted Jesus into your heart, this is the day you need to do it. I mean, this is the day you just need to come and say, you're right. I've been striving so much for the bios life, that which is just in the present. That is what I see that I have forgotten, the life that comes through Jesus Christ. And I want that life. If that's you, then I want to challenge you to come. Maybe you just need to come in repentance to say, God, I just need to give my life back to you. I need to begin to focus back on that which is the most important. Or maybe you just see prayer. But whatever is on your heart today, this is your time to come. Just come and as we reflect. Let's reflect.